Hello, you have done it again. You found the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole, and that's the name of that tune. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, where you can find some stuff that I found interesting and some other things that don't necessarily fit well into the podcast. Also, go follow and like the show's Facebook page, which has some other stuff that'll keep you busy. You can find that over at facebook.com slash how, how good it is pod. You know, this show remains one of the top featured programs on Podcast Republic, and I've seen a few five-star reviews over there in the last few days. Thank you so very much for your support. Podcast Republic is the podcatcher that I was using before I was even thinking about having a show, and every time they update it, I see something else that's cool. Go get it for free over in the Google Play Store, or you can just click the link on my webpage. Shel Silverstein was a multifaceted entertainer who had a pretty wicked sense of humor. He often stylized himself as Uncle Shelby, and he's probably best known for writing poetry and books that are primarily aimed at children. That said, he also wrote Uncle Shelby's ABZ book, which looks like a kid's alphabet book on the surface, but it contains a bunch of really dark humor that's aimed at adults. A lot of his work, though, has a silly tone to it, but it's also pretty earnest, and at times it's kind of heartwarming. In fact, I dare you to read his book, The Giving Tree, without tearing up a little bit, or a lot. Uh, But Silverstein was also a gifted songwriter who's responsible for several pop hits, and we're going to explore a few of them today. Well, my daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much to Ma and me. Just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. A Boy Named Sue was a huge hit for Johnny Cash when it was released as a single from his 1969 album, Live at San Quentin. Silverstein said that he got the idea for the song from a friend of his, radio host and raconteur, Gene Shepard. My old man was born, grew, lived, and died, and the White Sox never once got above third place in his entire life. That's right. He was gone by then. Yeah, that's right. He never saw it. He never saw him win the pennant that year. <laughs> and so, you know, it was nothing but nothing but defeat. And so this produces a different kind of fan. Now, he has two attitudes. Now, if that voice sounds familiar to you and you didn't grow up in the New York metropolitan area listening to late night radio, then you might recognize Shepard as the narrator of the film A Christmas Story, for which he also wrote the original essays that later became that movie. And like the boy named Sue, Shepard was a guy who had to deal with having kind of a girly name. Silverstein's nephew, Mitch Meyer, said in an interview with SongFacts.com that in those days in Nashville, when musicians got together, they would often do something called the guitar pole, where you grabbed a guitar and you played one of your new songs, and then someone nearby would grab the guitar and play one of theirs, and so on around the room. And Shel Silverstein was at a party and they were doing a guitar pole. And Silverstein sang A Boy Named Sue. Now, June Carter Cash, Johnny's wife, thought it would be a pretty good song for Johnny to perform. And it wasn't long after that that they were scheduled to go record the show at San Quentin, so she suggested that he bring the song along with him. So when Johnny Cash performed A Boy Named Sue in front of that audience in San Quentin prison, he was playing it for the first time, reading the lyrics off a sheet of paper that's sitting at the foot of the stage. There's footage of him reading off the page. And the band was pretty much making it up on the spot. That single went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100 and spent three weeks in that slot. And believe it or not, that was Johnny Cash's only appearance in the top ten for the Billboard Hot 100. 
It was also a top 10 hit in the UK and in Canada, and top 20 elsewhere in Europe and in South Africa. So, not bad for a first take. Uh, Silverstein did his own recording of the song, uh, and another song in 1978 called The Father of a Boy Named Sue, which tells the same story from the dad's point of view. Uh, it's even more of a spoken style than the original was, if you can believe that, and it has minimal instrumentation, but it's also pretty funny in its own way. Sylvia's mother says Sylvia's busy, too busy to come to the phone. Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show was a band that got its name from the fact that they needed a name in a hurry for a promoter. And as it happened, one of the band members, Ray Sawyer, wore an eye patch after he lost an eye in a car crash not long before the band got together. It's also a hip check to the Captain Hook character from Peter Pan, even though that particular Disney villain is neither a doctor nor does he wear an eye patch. But band member George Cummings put together a sign for the promoter reading Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show, Tonic for the Soul, and the name stuck. This also led people to believe that Ray Sawyer was, in fact, Dr. Hook himself. But when band members were asked who Dr. Hook is, they would usually point to the band's bus driver. The band had paired with Silverstein before they got their record contract when they performed on a movie soundtrack he had written, and in fact he wrote all of the songs on their first album, which was titled simply Dr. Hook. The first single off that 1972 album was this one, Sylvia's Mother, and it's a parody of weepy teen heartbreak tunes, which is why lead singer Dennis LeCourier is really pouring on the pathos as he sings. Sylvia's packing, she's gone believing today. Sylvia's mother says Sylvia's marrying a fella down Galveston Way. The record was a flop at first, but Columbia Records put a little bit of promotional muscle behind it, and it managed to make it into the top five that summer of 1972. There are several sources that say the song is actually autobiographical, relating the story of Silverstein's attempts to revive a failed relationship. The Sylvia, in his case, spelled her name just a little bit different, and she did wind up getting married. She became a curator at a museum in Mexico City. Silverstein added a little extra tragedy to the song by having Sylvia being pretty much in the same room with her mother near the end, and the mom pretending to be talking to someone else. Plus, you've got the bit with the operator breaking in repeatedly to get the singer to put more money in the payphone. Incidentally, country artist Bobby Bear recorded a cover that same year that went to number 12 on the country charts, and that led to his recording an entire album of Silverstein songs a few years later. Well, we're big rock singers, we got golden fingers, and we're loved everywhere we go. Later that year, Dr. Hook did another album of songs written by Silverstein called Sloppy Seconds. That album yielded the band's third single and their second big hit on the cover of the Rolling Stone, which again, had kind of a satirical angle to it. It's the thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Wanna see my picture on the cover. See my smiling face on the cover of the Rolling Stone. 
Now this time around, the gag was that a band wasn't truly successful until they had made the cover of that magazine, and never mind all the other legends attached to being a rock star, such as drugs, groupies, and the insertion of a weird little guitar solo, accompanied by someone shouting, Rock and Roll! By the way, while the band sings it as cover of The Rolling Stone, the title in fact is just cover of Rolling Stone. There is no the in it, but you'll see it written both ways, so I guess no harm, no foul. Oh, and while we're at it, when the song was at uh, near its peak on the charts in March of 1973, Rolling Stone magazine decided to give Dr. Hook their wish, sort of. The band did in fact appear on the magazine's cover, but it was a cartoony caricature image and with the headline, What's Their Name to Make the Cover? The song has been covered several times and it got a little new life breathed into it when it was used in the 2000 film Almost Famous. Now, if you're in the UK, you might have heard a slightly different version of the song. The BBC refused to play on the cover of Rolling Stone because of their prohibition against commercial products appearing on the air. So the story goes that the band went into the studio and re-recorded it as cover of the Radio Times, which is the BBC's programming guide. But the truth is, a bunch of DJs just went into a studio with the original recording and shouted Radio Times over every point where the band sings Rolling Stone. So you can still hear Dr. Hook singing Rolling Stone faintly in the background. Listen carefully. It's the thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the radio sign. Radio sign. This version did not, however, make the charts there. It did get some airplay, though. All right, I'm going to do one more for today, and I have to admit that when I was researching this week's episode, this one came as a little bit of a surprise for me. Although, in retrospect, it's really not that big of a surprise. A long time ago when the earth was green And there was more kinds of animals than you'd ever seen They'd run around free while the earth was being born but the loveliest of them all was the unicorn. Shel Silverstein wrote The Unicorn in 1962 for his album Inside Folk Songs, and it became a huge hit and the signature song for the Irish Rovers in 1968. The idea behind the song is that unicorns aren't a myth, but they are a real animal that's somehow not to make it onto Noah's Ark in time to be saved from the biblical Great Flood. So the unicorn literally missed the boat on their own existence. The record made it into the top ten in both the U.S. and in Ireland, go figure, and I hear it can still be heard with great regularity in Irish pubs to this day. You can also see the lyrics written as a poem in Silverstein's book, Where the Sidewalk Ends. Some of them green alligators and long neck geese, some humpty back commas and some chimpanzees, some cats and rats and elephants, but sure as you're born, don't you forget. And that's it for this edition of How Good It Is. But we're not done with Shel Silverstein. We're going to return to him a few episodes down the road. If you want to get in touch with the show, well, you can email us at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter at howgooditispod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Actually, you will find a few extra bits. I know for a fact this week, you'll find extra bits. Go get extra bits. Thanks, as usual, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. And next time around, 
we're going to find out how good it is to dine at Alice's Restaurant. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you then. We'll be right back.